Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Breakdown with Daniel Litwin, where we talk to mid-Missouri musicians and dissect one of their tracks in a way that is relevant to artists and listeners alike. On today's episode, which does include some strong language, we interview Ross Menefee, a singer-songwriter and lead member of the indie rock band It's Me, Ross. We'll break down his song, The Knife, and discover how Ross crafted a bubbly, genre-bending track around raw emotional lyrics. Here's a little bit of that song. We're back with episode two, and I'm super excited for our guest today. Today we have Ross Menefee. I said that right, right? Yeah, that's Okay, right. thank goodness. <laughs> thank God. Uh, that would have been a horrible start. <laughs> uh, Ross Menefee is a Columbia singer and songwriter. Uh, he has a band called It's Me, comma, Ross. Mm-hmm. The comma is not pronounced, it's just Yeah, it's actually emphasized. like a semicolon. Oh, it's a semicolon. A colon. A colon. Yeah. Oh. Wow, I definitely screwed up then. It's me, colon, <laughs> Ross. <Yeah. laughs> great. All right, so, Ross, it's so good to have you on here. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Great. Why don't you give yourself, for our audience, a brief introduction of who Ross Menefee is and uh, what It's Me, Ross is. Okay. Um, well, I don't know. That's. I feel like that's hard for me to explain, and that sounds kind of like... Pretentious? I, I don't <laughs> sure. know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I feel like I do a whole lot of stuff. Like, um, I I try and take music from a whole lot of different angles. And through the past, in, in the past, I've like tried all kinds of different things just to like see if I could do it. Uh, I mean, I've always had a background playing in like rock bands and stuff, but I've veered off and done more like electronic stuff and hip hop and. Etc. But I mean, for this project, for the It's Me Ross project, it's just like, um, it's just like stuff I record in my basement, and then it's it's just the live show, you know. When did you form It's Me Ross? Um, well, I guess like two years ago, two summers ago, something like that. Um, I just known everybody in the band for a really long time. I went to high school with them. Uh, the drummer is actually my younger brother, Quentin, and then the guitarist Spencer Rook. We played in a punk band in high school together called Pregnancy Test. <laughs> and um, That's very punk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, the bass player is his girlfriend, Mariel Carlos, who I've also known for a really long time. So it's just like, it all worked out. All right, cool. So let's hop right into the track of the hour. We're going to be breaking down your song, The Knife. Why don't you tell me a little bit about where Ross was in Ross's life? When, <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking in the third person, but it helps frame the question a little bit. Um, yeah, so where were you in your life when you decided to sit down and write this track? What was going on? Um, oh, geez. Well, for me to talk about this, I feel like, I feel like stupid talking about these kinds of things just because it's like, it's like personal, you know? I, mm-hmm. I feel like I shade everything in metaphors and maybe like, People who may have had something to do with any situation I'm talking sure. about might be able to pick up on it, but like, I don't know. It was just kind of like some failed relationship kind of stuff. Very typical, I guess. Um, I tried using this knife as a metaphor 
<laughs> being cut for like the way that <laughs> like, she what are you she cut your heart for? out yeah <laughs> it's just i don't know it's just like petty shit for real if i'm being honest with myself it's just petty shit yeah but i don't know i mean sometimes I that's like the most potent yeah i feel it you know that shit it it meant a lot to me the lyrics mean something to me i was yeah. just like stupid and confused in that point in my life did like once you started feeling whatever the confusion the frustration did you immediately have this desire to channel it into a song or did that just sort of happen naturally where you went to write something and that's just what came out yeah the latter mhm i don't know i feel like i can i feel like i write a lot of songs that just have to do with like the same string of incidences and this was just one of them well i mean it, it, i don't know it wasn't even like a relationship for real it was like Try, me trying to have one. I don't know. It was just like kind of shit just leaves me hanging. I'm just like, oh wow, wow. I just like went through with that and I fucked up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, like I've found with writing stuff that when you have something potent like a fresh relationship that either just started or just ended or just exploded in your face, like yeah. usually that stuff is fiery and it's like right there yeah. you know it's very easy to draw it, from it bugs you you know it's like i don't know it's just like really raw stuff it was kind of like something i just wanted to talk about in the song i i was i was really trying to go for this like i guess like an aerial pink kind of sound just like really sp spooky i was trying to go off this like 80s horror film kind of thing we were we're actually we're working on a music video for this right now oh <laughs> sweet just like Blood splattered yeah, on the walls. I went, I went and bought out some like fake blood and perfect. Yeah. The Dracula T yeah. on the cover art. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. I yeah, I totally forgot about the vampire shit. I don't know how. Um <laughs> I, I, don't, like I don't know how that integral. works. It was that's funny because that was just that was a project I did for my photography class, and it was just like this spooky vampire thing. And I I end, I just like used that for the cover. I thought it was a cool picture, and then it was just I was just like, that's what the fucking video is gonna be about. Is we're just gonna bring this to life. I feel like the essence of the track is definitely it's definitely there. It has like that kind of monster mash almost yeah, vibe it's to it. Spooky. You know, it's like ooh. Yeah. But 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 the content of of your lyrics are definitely very personal. You know, it's yeah. not like some gimmick song. Like you've you've got the vibe for sure which maybe has that 50s 60s like spooky horror, but but I mean what you brought to the table, the final package, I think is, you know, a little more holistic. Yeah. Which is good. Which is, yeah. which is always a good, a good end goal. Um, all right, cool. So let's just hop right into the specific chunks of the song. Okay. Because that's what we're doing. We're breaking down songs. The song opens up with almost all of the instruments that you use mm -hmm. throughout the song. Just kind of just boom, everything. It's not like there's some like light little twinkly something that brings us in or a nice little guitar riff. It just sort of hits you with that block initial sound. What was the what was the decision for that? Mm, it just hits. I, I guess it's like it slaps, it bro. Slaps. <laughs> it's a knocker. Yeah. Um, that's just the way it was. Yeah. So let's start with the guitar.
that guitar riff, I guess that's like the iconic riff that yeah. hits throughout the whole song. What was going through your mind when you were writing that little chunk? Was there something you were trying to get across specifically? I titled it, like in my computer, um, I wrote that it made my brother think of Gary Newman, like the dude that wrote Cars. Yeah, I mean, when I listen to it, uh, I definitely hear almost like surfer rock oh, a yeah? little bit. Um, they're like, like you kind of like imagine that sepia tone, fifties kind of sixties people running down the beach with their surfboards. Like, yeah, like let's go <laughs> ride the wave. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of what I picked up from it. Mm. Um, it just kind of like, it was really spontaneous. I liked this part where it was like the drum beat was able to stay constant like it could it could just remain constant just like a four four two two da, 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 da. but the guitar part whenever whenever i like write these parts out it's like like a block like this much this much of the notes will go into this block and then that'll repeat for however many times or whatever but for this one that block like splits as to like how many counts are in it there's, sure. there's just like varying time i guess there's varying time signatures in it okay it's not something you necessarily pick out when you're listening to it but but yeah when you mix up the rhythms and the feels of the guitar yeah, track it's kind of like a, a dissonance almost i really like doing that with it's like a rhythmic dissonance yeah i really like doing that kind of stuff i don't know why it's like it's something that just kind of confuses myself but i'm drawn to it and just i'm uh, able to produce it so it works out so yeah, <laughs> more power to you then cool the next part that i really enjoyed was the xylophone yeah which mirrors <laughs> a lot of the same little riffs that um the guitar have So I feel like an instrument like a xylophone, especially when you have it mirror the guitar, which is very forefront in the sound, is like a very specific artistic choice for, <laughs> for like for that yeah. vibe of the song. You know, I mean, like you toss in a xylophone in the front of a song, you immediately are sort of presenting it in a specific way. I'd, I'd say it's not run of the mill. It's, right. It's a little more unique. So what was your decision for that instrument? Um... Well, I guess to go on with the kind of spooky vibe, there is this record I picked up a while ago by this band called The Flesh Eaters. I couldn't, gi I can't give you the specific name of the song. I forgot, but like they were using, th like they have a xylophone player. I, I think it's like throughout the whole album. Oh wow! It's really, okay. For whatever reason, I guess I just associate that with like a spooky sound. I, I guess I can also think back to like some video bit of a like really old cartoon where they're playing xylophone on the bones of yeah. a skeleton yes, or whatever. Perfect. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen that or if that, you want to see that. That was not the image that came in my head when I heard it, but now that you say that, I totally see it. I totally yeah, see it. I don't it. know. It's just like some... Hashtag spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very spooky. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, I um, I really enjoy little flares, like that little sounds. Um, for a song that me and my friend wrote recently, we did something very similar, but with just an assortment of just percussion sounds. Yeah. So little shakers, little um, like small African drums, stuff like that. Sounds like that really helped define the character of a song. Mm, yeah, it's it's ear candy, dude. It's like the more weird stuff you put in it, like if you do it right, it's gonna just enhance it so much. It separates it from like 
a lot of other stuff. And I liked how you had it mirror what the guitar was doing. Was there a reason you had it do that, not like its own melody line? Uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was um, a nice emphasis on the single string. Doo, 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 doo. It made it pop a little more compared to like a full chord that's going before it, where it's kind of just like a wave of sound, and then it's like pins in your ears, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Cool. The drums that you've got going throughout the whole song... Definitely, like you said, keep that 4-4, four, four, boom, ga, boom, ga, boom, ga, with some variation in there. Obviously, you have, you know, your do do doos and your <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Why go for that foundation in the drums and not in, you know, uh, another instrument? I felt it fit for this one, but... um. I I always find myself drawn to just that. Yeah, for the most part, I, I don't know. I guess it's just to keep it all together and it can describe what part of the song it's at. Like for the court, for the verse part, I wanted to keep it on the high, like a really tight hi-hat. So it's more like tense feeling. And then for the chorus, it's like the release and it switches over to like a crash on the ride. And then after that, before switching back into the first verse, I have it. I have drum fills emphasizing that. And then, I mean, that's basically it. And then it like breaks down a little bit. I try and make each piece of the song like a puzzle, like each instrument is like a puzzle piece. Sure. They're each independently kind of doing their own thing while doing something else as a whole. I guess I was talking about the bass part. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I have a lot of fun with the bass lines in these songs. The bass line, yeah, it is very similar to the guitar line and I guess the notes, but in in rhythms, I think it adds some cool space. Mm. You like dana 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 dana. Oh and, you yeah, know, and you're kind of right. helps like drive it forward a little bit. Yeah, compared to your guitar, <laughs> which is just like a little more like you have your right, and then you have the banana, which yeah. you accentuate with the xylophone. But yeah, I mean the I, I think the bass line and your drums almost work together, kind of like your guitar and xylophone do, mm. in that they both sort of lay the foundation that kind of pushes the song along. It's all, it's all about that rhythm section, definitely. Definitely. So when the song starts breaking down a little bit towards the back half, you bring in this little flute, and it does like a Western... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> is that like what you were trying to emulate, basically? Yeah, yeah. I love that flute sample. It's so great. Um, I described it as like, that shows the Boomafu from when we were kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know why. I, I like, love that show. <laughs> He knows that Boomafu's dead. I believe it. It's a long time ago. Yeah, that would be an old-ass lemur. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like that you included that, like, Western confrontation anthem, right? Yeah. I mean, it kind of continues to play to the the tense nature of the song, the lyrics and the theme and of... Take the knife and pull it out. You know, it's like... Like, you going to? You going to take... Like, you know, it's just very... I don't know, yeah, it, it keeps the, the tension up, the confrontation up. But without becoming too self-serious, it's almost within the same vein as a xylophone in that it's, like, fun, oh, yeah. lighthearted. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like a cool duality. You've, yeah. got, you've got the two pieces working together really well. 
That's something I have conversations with my brother about this kind of thing with like um pick it's very important to pick things out that you think are halfway corny for a song and make it work because like when I don't know, when I'm doing stuff like that, I just like I think it's funny, but it it works, which is it's weird. I think it's the most bizarre thing to do stuff like that. It's just what I like to listen to. I like stuff that does that. Sure. It's like, oh, I didn't I didn't expect that. That's really weird, but it really worked. It clicked well. Bottom line is you get people engaged in your track. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't particularly like the choices you make, at least they can't see them coming. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it definitely leaves an impact for sure. Yeah. At the beginning of the song, your lyrics are very longing, very, I think, self-serious. I'm always reaching, always reaching out for something that is out of hand. Holding on a falling back, you know things don't always go as a plan. Yeah. And then you start to weave in a little bit of the bloody, the bite, the spookiness of it. They, I think they start getting even more intense, but never losing that, like, edge of self-awareness, I guess. Yeah. See your reflection in my mouth, smiling at me as a trip of blood. Try to cut these pictures out of my head, get on with growing up. I got a hole, got a hole in my chest and I can feel it up. There's no amount of comfort in this number now it'll ever be enough. Like, see your reflection in my knife, smiling at me as it drips with blood. Like, wow, <laughs> like, what an image. Um, and then the part of the song that just repeats over and over is, just take the knife and pull it out. Yeah. Just take the knife and pull it out. Just take the knife and pull it out. <laughs> What what were you trying to say, man? Like, what was... Oh, what well, was, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I've, just, I've just been trying to think about, like, how to talk about these lyrics. Because it's like, like, like I said earlier, I just can't get this thought of them being so petty out of my head. It was just, I don't know. The whole situation was just like, I got fucking ghosted by some girl. And I was just, like, really <laughs> hoping it would happen. Like, I thought she's beautiful. Was, I don't know. Whatever. I didn't know what the fuck I wanted at the time, though. I was just kind of like down and out foolishly falling in love with strangers kind of shit and i don't know like we'd we'd been talking for a while and i was like trying to make shit happen and it just didn't and i got fucking ghosted whatever <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think that's happened to a lot of us that's how i you know like it's okay yeah it's I don't okay know. i'm it's, just like it fuck <laughs> shit i don't know I, I hate putting myself out there, which is, like, funny, kind of... Kind <laughs> kind I mean, yeah, it's the opposite of making music, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I hate talking about... I don't know. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think it's cool that you are self-aware about where you were when you wrote the song, because we all change. So I, I totally I totally get the... At least personal cringe of like yeah it, yeah ugh. cringe yeah <laughs> that's the word of like seeing the lyrics and seeing the song being like damn like I I was really like immature or I was really petty when I wrote this yeah but I think that's okay I mean because it doesn't come across in the song it, it doesn't come across from a point of view of like I'm entitled or something to yeah. that you know it's it's still very honest and you were coming at it from a an honest place. And I think that still sells very well in your lyrics. Mm. It's not like you were putting on some front. <laughs> yeah. Which make, is very cool. Make a little diss track. Right, Jesus. yeah. <laughs> you suck. You're a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think the last part of this song, obviously, is the outro. 
and the outro of the song takes a total 180. You add some synth lines. Yeah. It's kind of got this twinkly like Yoshi's Island cave kind of feel to it like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. what was the what was the choice for that ending I I think the the synth part kind of came at the same time as the voice memo recording got made it was just like I think I was in the process of deciding like how I actually wanted to make it I was just going to try and make like two different versions I don't want to call it ethereal I I'd say Ooh, that's that's in I the right know. vein of words <laughs> I thought it was really cool. It was like another side of the coin. I just felt like it was the right thing to do. Yeah, I think it, it is like that nice bookend to a pretty intense song that is still kind of quirky, you know? Yeah. Um, but the ending feels a little more self-serious. To me, the synth part presents a more honest depiction of like how I feel about the song. And it's just kind of like a hazy confusion and I think that's why I wanted to end on that because it's like I guess you could <laughs> you could pick apart um, like a subconscious and conscious mind kind of Ooh, thing in there. Okay. I want to deal with that. Um, that's that's very English class. It's like yeah, your English yeah. classes are coming together well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like um, the like everything that I'm saying in the song, like all the lyrics are really like. Me, me, my, my ego, blah, 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 blah. But the the ending is just like the feeling that I'm left with. I guess that's the best answer I can give for that. And that totally makes sense. And it just that that perspective is very enlightening, very cool. Mm -hmm. It adds a whole nother layer to the song. Almost like the first part that you were presenting was like the front that you had to put on. It was like, this is how... I need to feel about this situation. I need to be super upset and like, you suck. And then the ending of the song flips and just kind of leaves you with this instrumental of like, well, in reality, I don't really know how I'm feeling. The whole situation was confusing me and I just feel kind of, kind of lost, a little lost. Yeah. I think I should write a dissertation on your song or something. You should. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay. Well, cool. This was The Knife, and I really enjoyed breaking this down with you. I love getting that inside look at <laughs> these songs because every time there's a, another layer to it that people don't realize, you know, yeah. like, yeah, that you can't just pick up from um, from the lyrics and from just listening to it. And so now that the song has been out for a little bit, how do you feel about it? I mean, how do you just personally feel about this song? I really like it. I mean, right now... I don't know. I have a love-hate relationship with it right now because I'm still working on, like, mixing it because I have a lot of problems with how that version sounds. Really? Like, I kind of rushed it because I wanted to release it on Halloween. Mm. Just, I don't know. I, I guess that's, like, a tradition for me, releasing stuff on Halloween, and this was Ooh. it. And I, it wasn't—releasing okay. releasing it that day was right, but I don't know. I'm, I'm currently, like, having a headache over fixing the sounds that aren't how I want them to be. I love it, though. Um, I think it's, it kind of went off in a different direction than a lot of the other stuff I did. Like, before, I'm kind of doing this, like, uh, power pop, sheer mag, s s 
I guess like almost pseudo southern rock ripoff kind of stuff with the harmony guitars and shit. And mm-hmm. this is a lot more like uh, 80s, I guess. I don't know. I like it though. I've gotten I've gotten really good response from it, so that always makes me happy. I agree. People like it. A little bit of positive <laughs> reinforcement never hurt anyone. Yeah. Never. Okay, Ross, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I hope you enjoyed your time here. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was yes, great. Of course. Um, so where can people listen to this song? Uh, they can go on Bandcamp, the itsmeross.bandcamp.com, or uh, there will be a music video out for it in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. I think we're going to try and finish it up this weekend, actually. Exciting. Yes. I can't wait to see it. That's going to be a good time. Yeah, it's, it's, Ho- hopefully, it's ridiculous. Hopefully it's, it's tacky and quirky oh, and yeah. blood everywhere. <laughs> Perfect. And now here's It's Me Ross's track, The Knife.
You've been listening to The Breakdown with Daniel Litwin. See you next time.